Welcome to Change Making Women, the podcast for women who make a difference. With Ziada Bade in Dar es Salaam, Tanzania, and Marianne Clements in London, in the UK. So, hi, um, welcome to Change Making Women. Um, I'm Marianne Clements. I'm in London, in the UK, and here, as usual, with me is Ziada. Yes, hi. Hi, Ziada, how are you doing? Hi, I'm good, and I'm podcasting from Dar es Salaam. And we have a guest with us this evening who is Majo uh, Antura. And um, tell us where in the world you are, first of all, Majo, and then, we'll, and then we'll ask a bit more about you. But where in the world are you tonight? Hi. Hi, everyone. My name is Majo Antura, and I'm live from Uganda, mm-hmm. 50 kilometers from Kampala. How many kilometers? 50? Yeah, 50. Yeah, cool. Okay, it's great to have you on the show. We're really looking forward to hearing more about who you are and what you do. So maybe just start by just telling us a little bit about you um, and the work that you do, because I know it's really interesting and we're excited to delve into it a bit more. Okay, well, Majo was born uh, 24 years back on the 16th of August. She was born Mm -hmm. by two school-going children. My mother was 14, my father was 16 by the time they gave birth to me. I never grew up with my parents. I never knew what it is to have a mother or father because I was growing up with different people, most especially my grandparents. Mm-hmm. I managed to go to school and um, I'm a teacher by profession, English mm-hmm. and literature. Uh, when I finished university, I joined the Social Innovation Academy, Tina. Uh, where I was mentored and coached and later found out that my passion was to work with the women and the girl child. Mm -hmm. Uh, In 2015, at the end of 2015, I founded the Geja Women Foundation that uh, envisions at a world where women are economically empowered and they are Mm -hmm. able to sustain themselves alone. We do this through offering educational support to the rural girls, um, creating startups and encouraging the women to create their own startups that generate their own income, creating self-employment. We do trainings of permaculture in schools and in communities. Uh, We also do train menstrual hygiene and production of reusable sanitary parts that we call the safe girl reusable parts. Mm-hmm. Wow. Wow. So it's, it's a pretty amazing story. I want to just um, go into your story just a little bit more, if that's okay, because I think mm-hmm. there's so much in what you just said. <laughs> mm-hmm. So some of our listeners are in other parts of the world. So maybe let's just start with um, mm-hmm. the place in Uganda where you live. What's it like? Um, what's life like for the girls that you, you were yourself? Um, and and the the girls that you work with? Uh, The place where I live currently, it's on a hill. The Mm -hmm. hill is called Mayembe Upper. Mm -hmm. And then uh, down the hills, that's where most of the women and girls stay. And then Mm -hmm. some distances away from it. Mm -hmm. Before I started the Geja Women Foundation, 
I would walk around and uh, share with the women uh, their experiences and stories. Mm-hmm. And since that time, as also a young mother, I'm actually a mother of a two and a half year old daughter. So wow. uh, I usually used to slope down and talk to these women and chat. We share a new mother, also having the young girls who have given birth. Uh, 14, 15, you find them giving birth. And then there are those who are widows and they are left with uh, all the burden of taking care of their families. Uh, there are those who are married and their husbands are around, but still they cannot be able to cater for their families. You know, it's still uh, like a big challenge that the woman in a family has to carry all the burden, has to carry all, all the challenges of the family, all the responsibilities. So you... um. You talked about um, girls having children as young as 14 and 15 and that your own parents were very young when they had had you. Yeah. Is, that, is that something, like what kind of um, support around that are you able to provide in the foundation? Like is there um, specific strategies that you're working with um, young, young parents on? Before uh, we started the foundation, uh, that ch- some of the challenges that the women were telling me and the girls that they lacked um, employment. Mm-hmm. Um, they were forced to get married at early ages. There was mm-hmm. a lot of poverty in the families and mm-hmm. poor health and hygiene in their homes. Mm-hmm. Uh, when we started, we only started with making crafts. Mm-hmm. The women were making crafts like baskets, mats, and then we were looking for market who were selling them. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, that income that we would get would not be enough to sustain the 35 women that we started with. Mm-hmm. It's hard that you cannot sell one basket and then it's able to facilitate all the expenditures in a family of a woman who has over four or even two kids. Mm-hmm. So uh, uh, later on in 2016, we had to restructure the foundation and see how best we can do it. Uh, We sent back our first girl who was uh, 14 and the father had sent her off to get married to an old chief in the village because he was uh, told that he would be getting free alcohol every time he would go to the center to booze. Uh, We sent her back after one year of dropping out of school. She's now in her form two. And then it was the turning point uh, we started so sourcing for money. We started sourcing for ideas on how to make it a bigger organization and a, a better foundation and a platform for women to share. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's when we introduced in the education support uh, program. Mm-hmm. And then uh, the crafts remained there, but they're now put into the women's startups. Mm-hmm. Okay. But now we have uh, education and the women's startups. And later on, one day, uh, I was staying with the first girl. She's called Nachigu Deprosi. And then I saw her fidgeting in the house. And then I asked her, Prosi, what are you doing? She told me uh, she was going to pad herself because she had gone into her period. Mm-hmm. And then I asked her, what is that that you're using? She was using uh, a banana leaf, a roasted banana leaf. Mm-hmm. And then I asked her, why are you using that? And she told me, this is what my mother told me that every time I could use. Mm-hmm. It was a shock and uh, it was so 
uh, like not really good it was so bad i had a friend that i shared with i asked how i could do what i could do to help mm-hmm. such a girl or more of the girls that are going through in the same situation like her remember i was mm-hmm. staying with her in the same house and it was my own role and my responsibility to find a call a, a genuine uh, uh, response to her problem mm-hmm. so uh my a friend directed me to nairobi where we uh where i met with women who do reusable sanitary pads in our community mm-hmm. and they shared with me some of the materials they use and how they make them i came back to uganda and started making reusable sanitary pads with my team members and the first product was given to prosi Mm-hmm. We went to the launch of the Santa Repads and later named them Safe Girl Reusable Pads. And since 2016, last year, until now, we have the Safe Girl Reusable Pads that represent the health sector in the foundation. And then, mm-hmm. apart from the health, there is education, there is women's startups, there is also now health. Then we also incorporated in the nutrition part, whereby... We do farming, but this farming is on a small scale. For example, we train the women on how to do the small gardens actually near their kitchens. Mm-hmm. These gardens mostly have vegetables in them, tomatoes, onions, and those surplus greens. That when a woman is preparing her meals, she does not forget the use of putting uh, surplus vegetables for the family to be nutritious. And it also acts on, as an income-generating activity for them because when they have much vegetables, they can sell them. And then we also do this in schools. In schools, we train the young ones, both boys and girls, on how to do the normal farming. We do it in uh, sacks. We do it in used jerrican. We do it on small portions of gardens to supplement on the meals. Uh, what you should know, like I, I think in Uganda, mostly in the government-aided schools, uh, the students are offered porridge, maize, for lunch. Yep. So when, when we were sitting with my team, we were like, how about we introduce the growing of vegetables so that at least once in a while, in maybe two days in a week, the, the, posh, the maize that was supposed to be used to make porridge makes posho or ugali, and they eat with vegetables. Mm. And then we have done it for the last season, and it has been working. We hope to take it further. So there's a lot of activity that you're doing. How have you managed to get all this activity off the ground? Have you been doing it by yourself, Majo? Or have you had support from other women around you or other, other, other supporters of any kind? Uh, uh, when, uh, when I told you about the Social Innovation Academy, Mm. It's a, an academy that uh, empowers marginalized youth, people like me who come from marginalized backgrounds, who have a story, uh, a story that is uh, not like the others. People who have grown up on streets, people who have been prostitutes, people who have grown up in refugee camps. So mm. we all come together and we always have a zeal to create changes in our societies or in our communities. So mm. the Social Innovation Academy has always been there for me and it has supported me and it is still supporting me and the women. Like our first time, when we were making our first uh, product, uh, they gave us Seed Start. 
to, to kickstart our projects. So at least I have a parent, a parent organization that has always supported us and is still supporting me. So do you, do you get support, let's say, you know, from government institutions that, you know, would like to give you support with what you're doing at the moment? Mm, currently not yet. We've not yet gotten any support from any government institution. But uh, since uh, uh, many organizations, like some of the organizations have contacted us, especially on the issue of the sanitary pads, which has become a very huge case that girls miss schools, that menstruation is so unhygienic. Uh, we have been running our campaigns since uh, May about menstruation not being oppressive, menstruation being healthy, both boys and girls. And then organizations have been contacting us. And when they contact us, uh, they pay for the services that we are going to do, like training their community, women and mm -hmm. girls, how to make their own sanitary towers. I think, Marianne, we had this topic uh, beginning of our podcasting, yeah, speaking about menstruation and how the society takes it. Um, yeah. How does the society take it in terms of, you know, menstruation, both, you know, as growing up, as young girls and, and, and boys as well. How does the society react? Uh, society, I would say where I've grown up from in Africa, it's still a rudimentary thinking that menstruation is only for women. Mm. And then uh, as, as the Geja Women Foundation and a safe girl, we want to remove that kind of thinking, break the taboos of menstruation. We want also the men to realize that if it was not for menstruation, even the men would not be around. So mm -hmm. every one of us should embrace menstruation as a good thing. There is no need of stigmatizing a young girl who has just joined menstruation because she also does not know. Some of us grew up and we did not even know anything about menstruation. You just see blood flowing and you're like, ah, I have blood. So if we start with the young generation and go to talk to them, open up, like, at least now we don't have to get scared and get that we don't have to speak about some things. It's high time we opened up and use the technology that we have to open up and make things be known to everyone. I think it will help us a lot. And for the trainings where we've been, we've been encouraging both the male and the young boys to take part. We hope uh, by the time we are done, at least there will be some change. Mm. I'd love yeah. to hear how you've been spreading that campaign because you said like other organizations are hearing about what you've been doing. Have you been mostly doing that online, Madhu? Mm. How, how have you approached that and what's made it successful, do you think? Because it's really exciting to hear you doing that work and of uh, raising awareness around these issues. And I, we, I so agree with your approach to involving men and boys and understanding that this thing is not, shouldn't be a taboo, right? Yeah. Uh, online, we have not yet really done it so much. We are, we are looking for more ideas. We are looking for partners who can also help us, like spread the word, spread the news, spread the gospel. But we started underground in MPG. Right. In the mm -hmm. schools of Fiji, in the neighboring district, we've so far gone to only one district because we cannot afford to take as many outreaches as possible. So we've been around. We've so far gone to 16 schools for the past two months 
and have been to three community outreaches, like where most people are involved. But we are looking forward to, main, to more partnerships to people who are really willing to also come on board and join us and spread the gospel. You, you call it what the gospel <laughs> yeah. i love that i love that and, I, and i'm interested to hear what happens when you go into schools for these sessions yeah. like what kind of reaction do you get um you know what what what, what are you hearing back yeah. from people at, at first uh the the when you talk about menstruation and the boys or men are around they're like ooh, these things are for women we are not supposed to be here you're like no 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 uh, we try to bring them back and they are around. But as the time goes on and the conversation heats up, you see them contributing. And, and then they're talking things that you did not even, we could not even think that they would, they would also be knowing. But they open up and tell us experiences, they tell us stories, they tell us of the way forward. And then we are like, wow, this is what we need to get going. Yeah, the conversation, right? Yes. Yeah, it's amazing. Mm -hmm. And and have you, what kind of um, change have you seen happen in, in, say, the first places where you started? Have you seen, you know, that it, uh, some impact of those discussions? Um, yeah, I'm interested to hear because it, it yeah. sounds really powerful to me to have I, this conversation. I, um, we have created over 10, 10 groups, 10 Geja groups in the schools, 10... Uh, what are they called? Um, ten clubs, ten Geja clubs in yeah, the yeah. different <laughs> schools are both boys and girls, and we are using them as our ambassadors. Uh, okay. We want to have a day where we invite our ambassadors to come and have a training on how to make reusable sanitary pads. In the communities where we go, actually, men have been spearheading on how to produce, to do uh, the sanitary pads, because some of these have sewing machines. And as the women are stitching with their hands, the man is rushing to go to the machine and is like, ah, let me go and put this on my machine and see how it, come, how it will come out. And then he brings back the pieces well sewed. And then uh, in our heads, we are like, yes, now this person already knows what to do, has the knowledge. If the daughter comes back home telling him, daddy, I went through menstruation, he has an idea where to start from. Unlike in the past, where you talk to some girls and they tell you, I stay with my father, I stay with my grandfather, and there's no way I'm going to start telling him that I started my menstruation, so I end up using rags, I end up using polythene or toilet paper. But right. now, yeah, we believe with the men being on board, our girls will be safe girls. Um, I wanted to ask, like... Um what made you so passionate about the menstruation? It was just the story of that of, of the girl that you gave us earlier. Because I think it's, I don't know, see, it feels like really brave work to be doing in communities, to me. Um, mm. Kind of breaking down taboos, which I know we talked about on a show sometime yes, last did. year, mm -hmm. that we, we noticed those taboos you know everywhere that we go as well and it feels like quite brave work to be doing so I wonder first of all like what made you get so passionate about that and also um what make what what makes you brave if that's the right <laughs> if that's the right way of describing you you sound mm. brave to me <laughs> what makes me brave when I saw Prosy in the house that they're visiting, it reminded me of my first day I joined men's, I went into my periods. 
Mm-hmm. I was I was staying with my stepmother. I woke up and my bed was with blood. My pajamas had blood. I was shouting. I'd never known about menstruation, I think. And then my stepmother comes out of her bedroom and she's like, what is wrong with this one shouting for us? I'm like, I have blood between my legs. I think someone pierced me with a stick in the night or something ate me. And then uh, she, she tells the maid to take water for me in the bathroom. And then she gets her blouse. She tears it into pieces. We did not have sanitary pads in the house. She told me, we, when we went to the bathroom after bathing me, she told me, now you've become a woman. I did not understand what it is to become a woman. Mm. And then the whole day I was walking with my legs apart because they had put in clothes in between me. Mm. It kept on ringing in my head, what is it to become a woman? Why am I a woman? Until when, I think, I don't know which age, I think when I was 20, that is when I realized that I had become a woman because of menstruation. Mm. Now, that gave me a thinking that if um, most of our girls can know that by the time you begin your periods, you're becoming a woman, and then a person does not need to tell you that now you're just, you're now a woman, and at least tells you something, that you're now a woman, you can now become pregnant, you can now do this and this, it will be better. Some of them use them as philosophies, they use them as parables, and they keep lingering into our heads. I think I wanted to say that's the, that's the missing link when something like that happens, and then you mm. as a kid, and you're just told you're now a woman, and then mm. you don't know where you're supposed to go with that. Okay, so mm. <laughs> now I'm a woman, what happens? Because, you what know... You know, what happens? What must happen now? You know, I've become a woman. Um, yeah. It's just, you know, we, 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 our African parents, unfortunately, will not exactly sit us down and tell us, you know, exactly what you're saying. You know, mm. with this happening, these are now, this is the chain reaction. This is what's going mm. to happen. Or when you do this, this is going to do, this is what's going to become. It, mm. it just ends as you've become a woman. <laughs> Yeah, you come and then the, and then the rest of the things you have to find out find you know, out on your own on your yeah. own and I and that makes me ask the question I think like how this work might relate Majo to to the 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 um uh, issue around um early pregnancy and early marriage and I don't know if that's something that you're also touching on in those sessions but it seems to me that if we're talking about menstruation, we at some, in some on some level are talking about sexuality mm. and fertility and and the potential to, you know, give birth and stuff as well, right? Is that something that you also touch on in the sessions, or is it very much around menstruation? No, just around menstruation. Uh, now uh, we talk about that, but we mostly tackle that in communities. Mm-hmm. The first time I met the, my youngest mother in my group is 16. Mm-hmm. Her name is Brenda and she has two kids at 16. After primary seven, her father told her that was the end of her education. And then when we go to communities, we tell the parents the dangers of having their children married at tender ages. Uh, for me, I got pregnant when I was 21. 
and by 22 i was giving birth mm. i usually use my myself as an example i may not have been a teenager by that time but i was still in school so i tell them if my uh, guardians had left me uh go to get married i would now be having over five kids at 24 so we always encourage them that even if a girl gets pregnant let her give birth finish and go back to school other than having an abortion all the girl running away from home because it also scares them first of all they do not tell you the risks involved in having sex or when you begin menstruation but when you become pregnant the parents become too hostile and harsh forgetting the circumstances that some of these girls go through so we are also trying to uh, train them on how to accept whatever comes in their lives and not always blame but always create a solution out of a problem encountered and and, and it's, yeah it's interesting isn't it because if you both don't explain what the bleeding mm. signifies and then Mm. if if someone is becomes pregnant and they they didn't realize that that that, that possibility was there to mm. then blame them it's like a double a double blame on the girl right yeah and uh, just out of interest i mean if you've been following news i think tanzania has completely said no to you know once a girl gets uh, pregnant to go back to no, school <laughs> yeah exactly so how are the laws in, in uganda In Uganda what I know some of the schools are still acting rudimentary that okay. when a girl becomes pregnant she's just away from school. But okay. this is also what we would like to fight for in our generation. You don't need to chase a girl because she's pregnant out of school. I think the law that is intended if it comes to Uganda will be the first person to stand up and strike for it because it's yeah. not fair. Yeah. And let's always go back to school and finish school. and then the girl is left in the shadows in the villages to suffer she carries all the responsibilities yet the guys have gone to school it's not fair hi it's marian here and i wanted to tell you about jijaze the community i founded for women who want to make a real difference in the world but do so without totally depleting themselves in our community we have resources to help and support you discussions to inspire you and loads of information about how really taking care of yourself is an important part of making change happen in the world. You can find out more about how to join us by going to www.jijaze.com. That's J I J A Z E. If you click on join us, you can jump straight to the info about how to join. We're so looking forward to welcoming you to our community. I mean I guess the rationale here um mm. the, maybe what our government feels like you know that's the mm. rationale um mm. is that when you allow one girl um to go back to school after giving birth um mm. it's like opening a can of worms and every other girl will feel like it's okay I can get pregnant um leave mm. my child at home and then go back to school I mean mm. Initially you are educating these women so they can take care of their children. I mean yes. that's how everyone feels but then mm-hmm. unfortunately just our government feels a little bit different like in fact quoting um you know some of the dailies and and, and the news it's it's is that you know um they were saying 
we don't want to have a nation of you know uh, girls breastfeeding and going to school and almost and in that context who makes who makes the laws who sits up there and makes the laws isn't it all driven by men mostly men because i believe there's no woman who is going to sit up and say no we should also stop the girls from going to school when they are mothers i believe when a girl gets pregnant and gives birth for the first time they have learned their lesson and now they have someone who is seeing up to them mm. if you give a girl the second chance it will be the best education the best piece of advice you've given to that girl i think our men also need to be educated absolutely i mean yeah, I, i can agree to that <laughs> absolutely and i think like when when um when i hear that that um statement that they like, um that that they don't want girls going to breastfeed and come back to school i just want to ask the question like why <laughs> you know and like well, well, where is the benefit to society in stopping mm-hmm. girls from coming to school while they're left at home to bring up children and look after the next generation Mm. and denied an education and where are the fathers of these children is my yeah. other question yeah. right where are the fathers of these children and what is it that happens to them <laughs> and uh, i guess we could talk all night about this question yeah. <laughs> and our views yeah. on yeah. them but... <laughs> yeah absolutely absolutely yeah i mean that it just leaves a lot of questions and but then but then this is where you come in at least you know you, you're you're fighting you could you know it's something that you can still fight on <laughs> yeah 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 and i really want to thank you for doing that work as well madde mm-hmm. because um it, these are really important they feel like really important issues of our times to me and in in a way you know with with the with the what's been going on in tanzania it makes them feel even more crucial right to be like bringing awareness to what the actual life experiences mm. of girls because i think like my belief is that that the idea for that law is rooted in some kind of mistaken kind of philosophy that somehow a girl gets pregnant it's entirely her fault and she should like pay pay for that problem that she's created for the rest of her life but we know that the reality yeah. is that there's always more than one person <laughs> involved yeah. in in that and also that um you know in in many cases it the girls are not aware of the, you know the 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 potential consequences or you know the fact that they may be able to get pregnant if they're not understanding that the mm. you know their bodies are capable of that at, at that age right thank you for your work <laughs> the resistance yeah. goes on right <laughs> i know uh, but so do you do you guys uh you plan on uh, you know expanding it to other let's say east african countries because that some something like you know especially sanitary pads it's mm. uh it's major i mean it's yeah. almost in every african country you find mm. that this is a huge problem yeah so my question will be do you guys have you know plans of extending to other east african countries to start with a dream is uh, in the next 4 uh, to 5 years is to have established in at least uh five more countries but the challenge would be that uh would also need to get assistance on how to get to those countries because mm-hmm. we don't have 
and we don't know how to go about with them. But it would be my pleasure, it would be my joy that we extend the same information that we are having right here in MPG to also other parts of the of the country of the world, mm. Africa at large. It would be a pleasure, and would love to do that. I um I I think that um that what you're doing at the school level is is really interesting, and I think there's a lot of people out there who um might be thinking of doing similar work or have ideas about similar things who would love mm. to learn from what you're doing. And I really love the fact that you're doing the production of sanitary products at the same time as the education so that that can kind of be solved in the community together. Because I'm, I'm imagining that the production of sanitary pads is, is done from things that are locally available and um, therefore it can be done relatively cheaply, right? Yes. Yeah, so it then, because a lot of the problem with sanitary, well, obviously the problem with sanitary pads is that people don't have the, the cash to buy them and they're expensive and whatever. And expensive, and not, yeah. yeah, and they create a lot of rubbish as well, of course. Yeah. So, um, yeah, no, that's, that, it, it seems like such a great, um, a great thing to be doing alongside the education piece. I really, mm. yeah. I really Thank think you so lots, much. Mm, yeah, I think there's lots of people who would like should learn from that. And um, absolutely, yeah, yeah. So uh, along the journey, what um, you know has been your biggest challenge? Along the journey, our biggest biggest challenge has been uh, finances, mm. and also getting market uh, for the products that are done in Gaja Women Foundation. Mm. I told you we have various products now. We have uh, the crafts, the Geja crafts. We have wine, Geja wine. We have mushrooms. And, and then we have the products that the women make on their own in their personal businesses. Because there are products that we make, there are businesses that we make as, a, as an organization, as a group, in groups like the craft, there are groups. The wine, there is a group. The mushroom, there is a group. Uh, the books, there is a group. But then there are also products they have, uh, like their own merchandise, their own groceries, and marketing them and finding platforms for them is still a challenge. Mm -hmm. And then the finances to run their own businesses and also to run uh, the foundation at large. And uh, and and you and you said that you've mostly been supported by the um, oh I Social. forgot what it was. Social Sorry. Innovation Academy. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, you can search about the Social Innovation Academy. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, the Social Innovation Academy. Um, but it sounds like um, there's need for more resources from elsewhere to support some of the activities you developed. And I yes. really love how you're um, how you're you're kind of addressing all the needs that you're seeing in the lives of young women and girls in the community. So you're kind of mm -hmm. not just sort of stopping with one thing, but seeing all these other challenges and building them into the program of what you do. I think it's, it's really inspiring yeah. to see you trying to solve all mm -hmm. the problems that you come across. Who are you working with, Madhu? Is it, is it, is it kind of you and then the, the groups of women that you formed or are there, is there anybody else who's kind of giving you um, support to, to, to make the work happen? Uh, in Under the Gaja Women Foundation, we are a team of five. Mm -hmm. uh, we are um, 
no, we are six, uh, four women and two gentlemen. Mm -hmm. So we are not living around behind the men. They will say that mm -hmm. we are segregative. Mm -hmm. And then the women also have their own committees. So within the have, groups. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they are within their groups. They have their chairperson, they have their treasurer, they have their own secretaries, and they manage their own finances. And then they sit, and then they discuss their challenges, and then come, we find a way of sorting them out as a mm -hmm. bigger group. Right. Yes, so I'm not alone. <laughs> we are... Right. No, that's great. Okay. And it's, it sounds like you're you're supporting yourself in that. And I'd love to know, like, we always like to ask our guests before the show ends, like, how they look after themselves, like, what they do outside of the amazing work that they do to make sure they take good care of themselves. Oh. <laughs> what do I do? I I I do my nails. I go for, I go for facials. I mm -hmm. do sports. I, I do your aerobics every mm -hmm. Tuesday and Thursdays, at from six to seven. I do aerobics. I do take a lot of water. I sleep enough. <laughs> Up to eight hours. I don't know what else I do. <laughs> no, that's amazing. You have it, and you have amazing, a, yeah. yeah, and you have a two and a half year old as well. Yeah, I have a two and a half year old who is yeah. now in kindergarten. Yeah, okay. I have a two and a half year old as well, and I think that he's he's quite a lot of work just on his own. Never mind the other things I try to do and the taking care of myself. But I'm impressed. I'm impressed. <laughs> It's been so good talking to Absolutely. you, Madda, and I'm so impressed by your work. And I and when we share about this show, we want to, want to be able to tell people where to find out more about what you do. Can you just mm -hmm. tell us your website contact details, like the best place for people to find you? And we'll also put those when we post the show. Yeah. My Facebook page mm -hmm. is Gedja Women Foundation. And that's the best place to find you. Women. And then our uh, website is www.gejawomenfoundation.org. Great. And spell Geja Women for us, just for people who are listening who might not know how it's spelled. Geja is G mm -hmm. E J J A. Geja. Geja is a Luganda word meaning grow big. Oh, brilliant. I um, yeah, nice. Like Women Foundation. Great. So the Grow Big Women Foundation. Well, I really hope to hear and see you growing big with this work. It's amazing oh, what you're doing. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. And please do keep up the momentum. And we're really hoping, especially with the sanitary pads, we're really hoping to, you know, see them come down to Tanzania as well. <laughs> Thank you so much. And our theme tune over and over was written and performed by Eleanor Brown, who you can find at eleanorbrownmusic.com. <laughs>